with the help of our new youth pastor, I'm going to open the message with something different today. How many like change? How many don't like change? Well, let me ask some questions. Did you take a bath this morning? Did you change clothes? I'm glad you did. I like change. I'm glad you didn't wear to church today what you wore last Sunday. And if they did, they meant through the laundry chute. Isn't that awesome? We're going to begin this morning as we base our message upon expectation. We're going to base our message on a, on, a, on a movie that has been viewed by millions of people. How many have seen the movie Facing the Giants? Quite a few. Wow. Wow. Awesome. Awesome. Coach Taylor had so much and harvested little in his six years of, as a head football coach. He had never one time in six years had a winning team. But Coach Taylor decided that he was not going to be led by results, but he was going to be led by faith and obedience. And in this clip, he blindfolds one of the lead uh, team members named Brock in a strength drill called the Devil's Crawl. So Brock won't quit at the 20-yard line where the finish line has always been. And if you're here this morning and you've fought through the battle of life, and just before you cross the finish line, you fail. Join the crowd. Listen to me this morning. God has the super he wants to put on our natural so we can cross the finish line and score for him. It's all about Jesus. Watch the clip, would you? This church this morning is filled with Brock's. And sometimes we've allowed discouragement and defeat and the war that we face uh, stop us at the 20-yard line. But I want to tell you this morning, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's saying to you, come on, you're going to make it. In due season, you're going to win if you don't quit. There may be those this morning, you're seated in this church, but your, your spirit is far from from this church this morning. You've been going through hours of discouragement, defeat. You've been trying to process, why am I here and what am I doing this for? But I can tell you, Jesus wants to whisper in your ear. He will never yell, but he will whisper. He doesn't want to yell because he doesn't want to embarrass me, but he always whispers in our ear. And he says, you're going to make it. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And today I want to just build on this this morning and say this. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And if you've been thinking about quitting in your marriage, I've got a word for you. Your name may not be brought, but God is saying, you hang in there, you're going to make it. If you're going through a financial stress this morning, and maybe your job is uncertain, and you're not sure as to why, the way it's going to turn out, Jesus Christ has a plan for you. And just because things may look dim in the natural is no sign that things are looking dim in the supernatural. And God today just wants to reach down and put his super on our natural this morning so that we can energize, our spirit can be energized to realize that we walk by faith and not by sight. As I watch the blindfolds come, uh, go around rock on this, on this clip, I was thinking about the days that uh, I was training as a pilot. 
And everything went real good as long as I was in visual school. They call that VFR training. I could look out the windshield of the airplane. I could see the ground. I could see the obstructions. I could see the runway where I was traveling. And I, knew, I could watch the airspeed indicator, and I knew when it was time to change the attitude of the plane because the attitude of the plane determined the destination. And as you got up to a certain speed, you could pull back on the control, and what you were doing is simply uh, adjusting the attitude of the plane and the plane at that certain speed began to take off and it began to fly. Listen to me this morning. God wants you to realize that he gives you strength to mount up with wings as eagles. He gives you strength to walk and not be weary. He wants you to speak to the spirit of weariness this morning because he has created you in his own image and the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in all of us. As we look at the word expectation this morning, if I could just ask you a simple question and just allow you to meditate upon this question this morning, what are you expecting this morning as you came to the house of God? Who were you expecting to see when you got here? What kind of setting did you expect would be here? Maybe you've attended a Sunday school class. Maybe your Sunday school class teacher opens in the same way every Sunday. What did you expect when you got to that class this morning? When you entered the sanctuary, what was your expectation? And, and as we leave the church this morning and we're, we're preparing for a Thanksgiving day, we're all processing different thoughts. But as we look to the hour that we're living this morning, it's, in, it's important that we energize our thought process with expectation. We have kids that are coming from the Chicago area. They're leaving Tuesday sometime. They plan to be here for Thanksgiving, and we haven't saw them for a number of months. And our expectation is we'll be glad when they get there, here. We'd like to hug them one more time. We'd like to whisper how much we love them and what a great reunion it is on this Thanksgiving day to just release our love and our appreciation and call them our family. Expectation carries a lot of, of, of thoughts in different areas. It can go to the negative. Sometimes I hear this say, you know, my, my dad died with a heart, of pro, heart problems. My mother died with heart, pro, heart problems. What chance do I have? Or maybe there's a family curse that's been handed down from generation to generation. And you, you look at the generation and the way that it's traveled. And you say, well, what, what chance do I have? Would you allow me to walk into your life this morning and talk to you about your expectation? Listen, God has sent his son Jesus Christ to break all the familiar curses off of you. And you're, no matter what your family may have handed down, you don't have to be a recipient of the curse of the law, but you can be a participation of God's word and, his God, and God's provision. And here's what he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you, but I'll go with you always, even to the end. I don't know about you, but that brings great comfort to me. When God is for me, I can sense his presence. He, he doesn't intend for my life to end in a crash uh, accident. He intends for my life to be prosperous, and he intends for me to live a life that's pleasing to him. I watch America this morning as this transition is taking place, and, and the world was shaken by the election. And all at once, we, we, we wake up one morning to a new challenge in America. All at once, we're seeing a man getting ready to walk into the White House that the majority of America didn't think was even a chance. And today, we see the reaction. Many are not ready for this transition. Many just, just are going to rebel and say, I just can't accept this. And many are just in awe. And there are those that are disappointed. I watched the TV camera as it faced, the, uh, as, it, as it circled the face of, of many people that realized that their Democrat candidate had lost. 
I saw people weeping. I saw people in remorse. I saw people with a hopeless, despair look upon their face. And can I just say this? It doesn't matter to me what politics you may be. Politics and, and, and has no way of fixing the world that we're living in today. God did not intend for politics to be the answer. He is the answer. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And he can bless you no matter whether you're a Republican or a Democrat. He can bless you no matter what your age may be. He's got good news for you. Don't bank on the president answering all of America's dilemma. But rather, could I get you to focus on the expectation of God and his provision. And, his, and the greatest provision that he made for all of us is that in while, and while I was yet a sinner... Wretched, miserable, dirty, filthy, unacceptable. God sent his own son into this world to redeem me, not with corruptible things such as silver and gold, but he allowed his son Jesus to pay the price for my redemption with his own blood. My expectation this morning is not based on my circumstances. It's not based on what I see. My expectation is to believe that God is who he says he is. He's a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. I see God as he's answered prayers as we prayed for America and prayed for this election. I see the hand of God as he's working mightily because many people stopped their business and prayed for their country. Listen to me. Prayer still changes things. While the world thinks that prayer is a waste of time, prayer is the greatest investment that I can make. And no matter where I'm at, no matter what side of the fence I'm on, no matter whether my, the person I voted for was elected or not, it doesn't change the position of God. He's still for you. He still wants to be in you. And you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And what he wants you to what he wants to do is energize you with expectation that tomorrow is a brand new day and today is called a present because it's a gift from him to us. Isn't he awesome this morning? I have so much to be grateful for. I have so much to be thankful for. As I watched as a coach blindfolded Brock I, 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 my memory went back to the day when I had received my license. I'd been I'd had a, I had the ticket in my pocket. I'd been a, uh, certified to be a pr- uh, private pilot. Boy, I just felt so good. I never will forget the day I soloed after eight hours of teaching and the instructor bailed out of the plane. He said, it's all yours. Let me see what you can do. Boy, I had lived for the day when that right seat would be empty and I'd be in that plane all alone because I was ready to try my wings. At Woodring Field in Enid, Oklahoma, I took off of that air, air space or air, that runway to the north. I made a right-hand turn. I banked it back again as I got out so many hundred feet from the runway. And I, 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 I flew down, down leg, which we call it in flying. I flew base, and when I lined up with the runway, there was three other instructors besides me watching to see how uh, three students were going to handle the landing. I'll never forget I got down on final. I pulled the throttle back. The plane is slowing down. The ground is getting closer. And all at once, fear took over. The only thing I could do is give the plane the throttle. I knew it would fly as long as I kept up the airspeed. I changed the attitude of the plane, and we went around. All because fear would not allow me to face that I was coming in for a landing. I was getting ready to prove that what I had been taught would work. I made the second lap around the field. And I came in for the second time. And I could see my, my instructor. He had his hands on his hip. 
He didn't speak in another, uh, uh, another language. He, spe- he spoke a language that I can't even repeat. And I could see his mouth going like this. And I got out so close to the ground the second run, and I thought, I'm going to make it this time. And just before the wheels greased in on the runway, fear overtook me. I hit the power. I lifted up. I changed the attitude of the plane, and I went around for the second time. And I was thinking, Lord, there's three people looking to see how intelligent or how stupid I am. And I began to think, Lord, what is that Scripture that I was taught? Oh, yes, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but I haven't energized it yet. But, Lord, with your help, we'll energize it this time. I lined up for the final, and I came in for landing. And just before I greased the wheels to the ground, I said, Oh, God, if you've ever been merciful to a sinner, help me today. And the wheels went chip, and I touched the ground. The instructor got in the plane. He was laughing it wasn't a funny day in my life. He said, I knew you were going to land. He had just said, you had ever light on in this plane? He said, I knew you, were, you really meant business this time because you expressed every expression this plane could express when you come in for a landing. I knew you were going to make it. Time went on. I'm preparing to take, move from the VFR, which you can look through the windshield. You can tell where you're at because you can see where you're going. And I entered into that stage where I decided I'm going to become an instrument pilot. I'll never forget on my first day, they took a, a, a blindfold. They didn't blindfold you, but they put a hood over you where you could not see through the windshield. You could just see the, the, the column, the panel where that had an artificial horizon. It showed where, your, where your, uh, your airspeed indicator, how high you were off the ground. And all you could do is believe the instruments. It was a day of my life when I wasn't prepared. I began to think, Lord, how am I going to believe that instrument? It would just be a whole lot better if I could see out the windshield of this airplane. There's amazing how when you can relate to something that's, that's uh, uh, in your vision, how you can relate to it, and when it's not there, how insecure you can become. I had, gone through, I had gone through the fog and clouds at times where you couldn't see anything. At that time, I'd had just a few moments of that time when I couldn't see the ground. Listen, in the journey of life, there's times we, when we have nothing to relate to. There's times in the journey of life, sometimes it's the wee hours of the morning, when we wake up and there's a storm raging in our life and we're not sure how things are going to turn out. And we just don't know whether we're going to make a safe landing or not. It's those times we have to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth. And with great expectation, we can say, I know whom I have believed. I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him. And I'm not ashamed to stand up for Jesus because he's the pilot and I'm the co-pilot. Give him praise in the house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. It's in the silent moments of our life when we prove who the Lord really is. It's not while we're standing in front of the pulpit with our hands raised and we're ministering to you. It's in the quiet times of my life when I have to resolve the fact that, God, I'm not in control, that you're in control. It's in the quiet times that we're sitting alone, steering across the windshield when we we have to say, God, I don't know how this is going to work. Nevertheless, I don't know how it's going to work out. Nevertheless, I'm persuaded that you're able to do the things that I'm not able to do. 
It's in the quiet hours of our life, no matter where we're at, maybe on the job, maybe while we're waiting in the waiting room of a hospital. It's in those quiet times we, re- we remind ourselves, Lord, this is the hour that I've got to depend upon you. I want to depend upon you all the time. However, there are times when I've tried to do it on my own, and I've really made a mess of things. It's those moments, those quiet times when the Holy Spirit regenerates our, our spirit and he brings to life the Word of God. That's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our pathway. It's those times when God wants to energize the inner man of the heart, the invisible man that lives inside of all of us. And he wants to give us expectation that things are going to turn out better than we even expected. God has always had a, a, a group of people that would put their trust in him. He's always had a family that could walk with him and he could talk with them. And even in hours of rebellion, he never did forsake his family. I think about one of the most trying times in the life of Jesus. I know he was disappointed many times. He had, he, he had followers. He had his disciples. He had uh, the people that had seen him turn the water into wine. He, he, they'd seen him walk on the water. They'd seen the hand of God as he parted the Red Sea. And they'd walked over on dry ground and destroyed the Philistines that were in pursuit. They'd watched all of the things that happened. Generation after generation had passed. And yet I'm sure God still saw the things in the man's life that didn't please him. But in the journey of life, I think about probably one of the most disappointing times in my best friend's life. His name is Jesus. When I realize and I read in the scripture where it says, He came to his own, and his own received him not. Have you ever been rejected? Maybe you're here this morning and you've been rejected by your best friend. Maybe you've gone through a a heated divorce. Maybe you've gone through a time when it seemed like you've lost it all. It just seemed like all hope was gone at a moment. You just didn't know which way to turn or which way to do. Jesus can relate to us. He came to his own. His own rejected him. But thank God that opened the door for you and I. The Jewish people said, we're looking for a Messiah. We're not looking for Jesus. And all the time he was the Messiah. So he opened the door to the Gentile people, which are are you and me. And he said, but as many as did receive him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. And friend, he adopted me and his family. If he'll adopt me, he'll adopt anybody. And he gave me expectation. He said, he says to all of us every day, no matter what, what kind of a day we have, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. You think about the course of life, and the things that we're faced with. And God wants to give us the energy. He gives us the power. And yet so many times we let our altitude, our our attitude toward life take us to points that God did not intend for us to go. I'm thinking about what our attitude does for us and how it affects our expectation. If you'll just let me hide for a minute, I'm going to return. But I want to say something uh, to you, and I want to say it to you so that maybe it will be a little plainer. For several years, I was privileged to fly this, this airplane. It's just a re- replica of the airplane that I flew. But on each wing of this Cessna 340 was a 325-horsepower engine. There was a 325-horsepower engine on this w- wing, and then there was fuel and these fuel cells, and then each wing, I could carry 220 gallon of fuel in this plane. This plane weighed 6,450 pounds if it was full of fuel. 
It also had a weight and balance, and, and, and you were trained how to load the plane. And if you were going to put six adults in this plane, you didn't, and you didn't want to always fill it full of fuel, especially if you were on a short runway. And we have a pilot who's watching me. He's, he, he knows where I'm at. Even though these two engines propel this plane, I'll never forget the days it would go down the runway. And when it got to 125 miles an hour, you could just pull back on the control. And this is what happened to the plane when you pulled back the control. It changed the attitude of the plane. It was telling the plane, you've got enough power, you can take off. And as you would lift off, a few feet off of the runway, it had a switch you would throw and the gear would flip into the wings and it was, uh, it was totally out of sight. And that plane was ready to fly. It could soar with wings as eagles because it was made to fly. And as long as you kept the attitude up and the full power ahead, you could climb as high as you wanted to climb. Both engines were supercharged, which means when you got to thin air above 10,000 feet and you needed to have a pressurized cabin, the pressurization kicked on. And you could soar as high as you were certified to fly. You can cross through the 12,000-foot level unless you were an IFR our, uh, pilot. But I think about the, the ability that this plane has been manufactured to fly. By the same token, if you're in the cockpit of this plane and you get in the storm and you have nothing to, to relate to, you can't see the ground, and this plane is giving it this because of the contrary winds that are facing it. And by the way, let me say something else. The, this plane will never fly until thrust overcomes drag. And it's a thrust that these two propellers have on these wings that gives this plane the thrust to, to eat into the winds. And the winds that are contrary winds to this plane soar across the wings. And the wings are built to lift this plane so that it will rise and fly. As this plane flies through the air, you lose your ability to realize what's up and what's down. And when you get in the clouds where you cannot relate to anything, you hear the wind as it passes across the fuselage of this plane. And all at once, you lose your ability to realize where, what is up and what is down. And it's easy to attract the spirit of vertigo. And many pilots have been killed in the midst of a storm, not because the airplane wasn't qualified to to fly through the storms, not because it wasn't equipped to fly. It had two engines. They were fully powered. They were supercharged. The fuel was in the tank. But because there was nothing to relate to, many pilots thought down was up and up was down. And they flung the plane into the ground and crashed and went into eternity. Not because the plane couldn't fly, but because they failed to have the ability to know what was up and what was down because there was nothing to relate to. I think about our own lives, how God has supercharged the Spirit of God that lives within us. He, he said, but you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then after you receive this power, you'll be witnesses unto me in both Jerusalem and Samaria, to the uttermost part of the earth. He said, I've called you to do this, and I've caused you and I've called you, I've ordained you, and now I want to put my super on your energy. And I want to supercharge you. And when you face adversity, when you face the storms of life, I want to speak to the church today. We have our work cut out for us like never before. 
Never has there been a darker hour in America than there is today. I watched college students following an area today that has never worked in any other country. Socialism has never worked. And yet I see it being taught our young people and a big turnout that followed a gentleman that said, Socialism is the answer for America's dilemma. Show me a country where it's worked and I'll give you the attention. It has never worked. The only thing that will work for us today is a democratic way of life blessed by the hand of an almighty God. And as we face this hour, let me place something in your spirit that will encourage you. God is still blessing America. He still has his hand on America. The windows of heaven are open to America. And America has never turned their back on Israel, even though our former president may have. Here's what the Bible says about those that bless Israel. I'll bless those that bless them, and I'll curse those that curse him. Listen today. God is not cursing anybody. We're living in a new dispensation. But listen, when you're not walking under the umbrella of God's provision, you're, you're either, when you're not walking under the umbrella of God's provision, you're walking under the umbrella of the curse. And the Bible says, he that is not for me is against me. And there's nothing like, in Psalms 91, let me just bring this into our expectation this morning. It says, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he's my refuge and my fortress, my God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noise and pestilence. He will cover thee with his feathers and under his wings you can trust. Have you ever noticed? Let me just talk to you farm people this morning. Have you ever noticed, if you ever had chickens and you had hens that gave birth to little chickens and they followed that hen around, when it began to get stormy weather and there was no hen house to go to, the hen knew how to raise her wings and the little ones would cling to her and she would fold those wings and shelter those baby chickens. How would a chicken know how to do that? Because God gave chickens a blessing too. He created everything that we enjoy today, and thank God He even gave us an appetite for fried chicken. You just didn't think about fried chicken. It was in God's plan. And listen, you didn't just think about coming to church today. You're in God's plan. And I've got news for you this morning. Where is your attitude today in life? And growing up, I resented being a preacher's son. My attitude was horrible. I always, always had a chip on my shoulder, and my attitude was always like this. I didn't ask for this kind of a life. I don't want this kind of a life. And it's not fun being a preacher's kid. But the lights turned on my senior year. And something got a hold of my life that I can't explain other than one day the Lord just moved into my life, energized the power of the Holy Spirit. And I began to look around and I began to say, boy, you know, maybe it's, it's more fun than what I realized. Maybe it's more fun serving Jesus than what I thought. Maybe there is something to this Jesus thing. And little did I realize every three to five years when my dad moved us into a different parsonage, he was teaching, the Holy Spirit was teaching me how to make friends. How about this? We never lived in the comfort zone at the White House. About the time we were going to get comfortable with our friends, 
it was moving time. And we got used to this lifestyle. And in the process of time, I look back today and I realize how good the goodness of God really is. And I want to just close this morning by asking you this question. As being a part of the church, the Bible says where there's no vision, people perish. And I want us to think for a few moments about the congregation we all know that's beyond the walls of the sanctuary this morning. My mind even goes to the to Logan Jail where one of our, our youth, it's been a tremendous blessing and he's locked in jail over, over a situation he should never have been caught in. And I look about the family. I, I, I did the service for his mother just a couple of years ago and his dad is, uh, is employed and out of the town a lot of time. I think about not only young people, but I think about older people and I, I don't know why I do. I just, I just look at the legals every week and see whether or not I've been arrested and put in jail or not. I'm never looking at your name. I just sigh a real sigh of relief when I see Orville White's not in the legal paper. I used to have friends that really blessed me. They really loved me. And they said, you know, I was in the post office yesterday and they had your picture on the wall. (laughs) Wanted dead or alive. Listen, God has your picture this morning. He looked at your ending before he created you. And he says, you're worth it. Then he chose the mother's womb where you would get nine months of free rent. Do you know we have some people that should go back to their mother's womb this morning that are looking for free? I, I don't know why I went here. I'm sorry. I am so sorry. Let me see. Where, where should I pick this up? Listen. Listen to me. Not only did he give us nine months of free rent, he chose our parents. And I hope you're so glad that God chose your own mom and dad. Nobody could cradle me any better than mother. I grew up as a young person. I, I was, it just seemed like I was born with bad ears. My mom, was, I can still see her sitting in the front of this open flame. She would heat olive oil and soak the cotton, and she would put it in, in that ear. And all at once, in mom's arms, I became peaceful. And I grew up knowing there was something about mom's touch. She could just see me through. And when there was things going on that was beyond the earache, I can still hear mom and dad praying, God, we know that you have the answer for our family. Would you just reach down in this bedroom tonight and take care of the situation? And more times than one, I woke up the next morning not even knowing when the pain had left. I am so grateful today for my own mom and dad. I just wish they were here this morning. They used to sit back in this, this area of the church. My dad, after being, spending years in the ministry, would still put his arm around me and said, Son, you're doing good. Don't turn back. Just keep preaching God's Word. It's a lamp unto our feet. It's a light to our pathway. It's what we hide in our heart that keeps sin out and Jesus in. Just keep on keeping on. And Jesus is saying to you today, You're my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Just keep on keeping on. This morning, where is your expectation? Where, where, where are we in this expectation? I think about how our life began with a seed. Our mother became pregnant. That was a bad word when I was growing up. We couldn't even say, that lady is pregnant. We had to say, that lady is expecting. Has times changed? 
knowing mom and dad is looking over the balcony this morning, there were days when a lady would become expecting. Nine months later, she would give birth. The first two or three months, there was nothing visibly that had happened, but there was a seed that had been sown. And then four or five months of expectation, and there began to be signs that mom was pregnant. Something was about to happen. Six and seven and eight months rolled around. And then nine months, if it wasn't visible, you could hear it. Don't cross my path. I'm nine months pregnant. Oh, mom, I'm so proud of you. I'm glad I'll never be pregnant. I saw so many characteristics from the most precious lady in my life during the hours she was pregnant. Not beautiful. Thank God they're in the history book, though. We just knew to give mom a little room. We just knew to give her a whole lot more time. But the day that she gave birth, what a happy day. What a joyful day, and we helped and cradled that little guy in our arms. And you know what? They could have been the most ugly baby you ever seen. But they were precious in our sight because their last name was identical to ours. Jesus wants you to know today that on your birthright, on your birth certificate in an area that's not even visible. He stamped his name on your birthright and adopted you, and you became his child. With a father like that, with a father who still speaks, a father who turned the water into wine, a, wa- a, a father who spoke and the winds and the waves obeyed, a father who spoke to healing the healing power upon people that were blind and they begin to see. Let me ask you this morning to the church, where is our expectation? Because in the book of Hebrews, chapter 13, it says, He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He never changes. Father, I just want to say thank you this morning for your blessings. I just want to thank you this morning for the great power of expectation. This is a church that you've called, you've ordained, you've laid the foundation to this church in the early 1900s by some people that had to work hard. And they sacrificed. In the early days, they sold cream and eggs and milk. And they brought their tithe to this church. And this church is here not because I'm here. It's because we had some forefathers that paid the price so that we can enjoy what we're enjoying today. And before then, Lord, you came to this earth. You came for a 33-year span before you left this earth and ascended back into heaven. And Lord, today, today you spent 30 years known as a carpenter's son to expose three years or a little over three years of ministry to a world. Some received you and others crucified you. Lord, you said, it's expedient for me that I go away, for if I go not away, the comforter will not come. But when he comes, 
He will guide you into all truth. Lord, our greatest expectation today is this is the finest hour, knowing that we await the great return of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Knowing that there's a day that a trumpet's going to be sounded, and that sound will be heard around the world in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye. The day that Christ will rise first. Then we which are alive and remain are going to be caught up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Father, I pray this morning, I pray for our entire congregation. There are those here today that don't know you as their personal friend. They don't have a best friend by the name of Jesus. Lord, don't let them leave here like they came for the discouraged and for those that may be defeated with the, with the confrontation of life so complicated times. Lord, let there be a ray of hope that will be like a seed planted by the rivers of water because you said that man can be blessed in his deeds. We give you praise, honor, and glory for this Thanksgiving season in the northwest part of Oklahoma in this great land of America. Father, I release you to do what you want to do in the closing moments of the service in Jesus' name. And every head is bowed. Every eye is closed. Let me ask a simple question this morning. Are you here and you've never made Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior of your life? It's not about joining a church. It's not about being baptized in water. It's not All of these are great attributes of a believer. But have you ever just opened your heart's door and said, Lord, I'm a sinner. I need, I need you to come into my life. At that moment, when you invite him in, he lifts a load of sin, and he places the Holy Spirit in your life. You're here this morning. You said, I've never made that step, but I know I need to. Can I see your hand lifted up so I can see it? I want to acknowledge that hand before we move into a time of prayer. All right, would you stand? The clock still says we have almost 15 minutes before we leave what I'd like to ask you to do. If you must go, I understand. If you don't have to leave, would you just slip down to the front and I want everybody just to fill the altar area. And I, I just want to have a, a pastoral prayer with you this morning before we leave. I just want to speak God's blessings over you today. And if you're here discouraged, I want you to make a decision. As you walk down the aisle, I want you to unload your discouragement and defeat on this altar. And we're going to ask Jesus to replenish it with the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You have to go. God bless you. It's been so good to have you here today. You don't have to go. God bless you. I'm glad you're here today. My wife to come and stand by me, Jared. Which I want to ask you, and I want to, Jenny, would you come and join us? Before we have our prayer time, I want all the families here, I want you to come. I want your church family to look this way. I want to tell you what redemption prayer looks like in our life today. For almost two years, we prayed. Send us a leader that would touch our young people. 
There were times in my life, I never told you about it, but I was in despair. God, you've got to show up. Got some way. Your prayer answered, God. I know, I know you've got somebody that's tailor-made for the job you've got. I know you're going to send the Lord. Would you just please hurry up? Lord, would just, Lord I, I, just, I needed them yesterday, but would, tomorrow would work. I want to tell you this morning what a prayer looks like. This family is an answer to our prayer today. Not only has God brought them here, but he's brought us people with a servant's heart. And he brought him to us so that he can encourage and bless and share and pray. And for once in a long time, I need my handkerchief. Let me find it. Got a drippy faucet. It's called my nose. But for a long time, I, I, I just want to proclaim this. God sent a man and his wife and his family to our church family. And I want you to look my way and I want you to hear what I have to say. I can trust this man. In my visitation with him and in my inquiry of where he'd been not one time has he said one bad thing about his pastor, where he's sitting. Little did he know I was just monitoring to see what the situation would be. He didn't know why I was asking. He thought I had a nose problem. I was actually monitoring to see how he would answer my question. Never one time. His pastor, former pastor, could have listened to every conversation we've had about his past. Isn't that awesome? Well, let me ask you this. Have we had any conversations this week? that we wouldn't have wanted some people to be with. Maybe our wife. Maybe our husband. Here's what I want to tell you. God hears everything I say. And He knows the thoughts and intent of my heart. If He does mine, He knows yours. Here's what I want to ask you to do. In our closing time, would you just offer with me in your own way a prayer of thanksgiving? And here's what I, the words I'd like for you to contain in your prayer. Lord, I sure do thank you for sending Orville some help. Is that a hard prayer? No, it's not hard. You know, you don't have to pray in Hebrew. You can pray in Western Oklahoma prayer. Help, Lord! He, he understands. He really knows when I mean it. So I want you to raise your hand this way. We're going to speak blessings over our, our, our youth pastor and his family this morning. And I want to just, out, out of an attitude of gratitude, I just want to say thank you, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you've blessed Elm Grove with some precious people today. I pray that in the journey of life that Jenny and Jared will rest in peace, knowing that the work in the vineyard in this area the work is great and the labors are few, but they've joined the ranks of Elm Grove to reach this community with the greatest message that this, this community will ever hear. Jesus loves you, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Lord, today, Lord, today, allow us the ability through your anointing and through your leadership, Lord, to be what this community needs us to be. And Lord, may we well represent the kingdom of God and the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but it's righteousness and peace and joy 
in the Holy Ghost. We bless our, our church family this morning. In this Thanksgiving season, Lord, bless them and they're coming in and they're going out. Make your face to smile upon them today and may they rest in the presence of an almighty God who ever intercedes and makes intercession for his own. All of these things we give you the praise for in Jesus' name and everybody said, amen. God bless you today. If you need special prayer, please don't leave the, uh, the front of the building, but allow us to pray for you before you leave. You're dismissed.